That would be so Babysitter's Club of you. <laughs> I'm worried that maybe my favorite was Marianne. Oh, I liked Mallory, and I think she's supposed to be the one you hate, so... <laughs> I actually also really liked Mallory and, um, what was Jess... Jess... Mallory and Jesse. They're so cute. Yeah. They're so... They're such good friends, and I love them. Welcome back, against all odds, to My Name is Animorphs, a podcast where we talk about Animorphs. I'm also realizing I forgot to credit Garrett Murs on Twitter for the name My Name is Animorphs. Um, this is Tordal Recall, a podcast where we talk about usually Tamara Pierce books. This is a page, this is a episode voted on by our patrons, a bonus episode because we hit a milestone that I forgot on our Patreon. I also don't remember what the milestone was. It's not important for the purposes of this episode. But if you want us to do more episodes that you can um, pick the topic of as a patron, you can go to patreon.com slash recall. Yes. Great. Thank you very much. <laughs> My name is Amy. I'm hosting this episode. My pronouns are she, her. And if I... My ideal cover of myself on an Animorph book is me Ooh. morphing into... A, a lemur, a zaboomafu. <laughs> <laughs> a zaboomafu. <laughs> my name is Abby. My pronouns are she, her. My ideal Anorus cover of myself is none. I don't want that. Please. You've got, okay, what's your least unfavorite? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe an Andalite because they have sort of human faces. But also the, like, weird deer centaur bodies, which I'm not opposed to. <laughs> um, my name is Grace. My pronouns are she, her. And I would like my ideal Animorphs cover of myself would be morphing into a cool lion. Because I think my hair would look cool. That's yeah. true. So yeah. I have red hair. Yeah, that would be very rad. Great. <laughs> So, last you heard from us, we were squarely in the social justice corner, and we're still there. And we're going to talk about this time... What was the next thing? Race. Race! <laughs> um, is Marco white? No. So, yeah. yeah, like, they explicitly state that Cassie is black. With Marco, they just do a lot of, like, you know, like, he has a dark complexion. And dark hair that he wears long. And so they have not been explicit about it. But yeah, it seems like he's Latino. Yeah, he yeah. is. And I think there must be a point in the books where it's brought up explicitly. But like, honestly, they're not good at saying that Cassie is black either. Like, they're not good at saying they the did, races of their characters. They did say it at least one time with Cassie, though. They do, like, they're, they're weirdly vague with the descriptions. Like, I think with Cassie, we got like, she's black and she wears her hair short. She used to wear it longer, but now she wears it short. <laughs> like, wow, the detail. Thanks, Jake. <laughs> Nothing gets past you. <laughs> also, um, don't you love that Jake has a lovingly framed picture of Cassie forcing pills down a badger's throat? Oh, I yeah. do love that. I love that so much. Okay. Like, in her natural habitat, but also, like, there's gotta be more attractive things you do as a vet. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've gotta point out real quick. Jake has a framed picture of Cassie forcing pills down a badger's throat. Rachel has a picture of Tobias. Like, she just has a picture of Tobias that she I keeps with her. And they were not friends before this. I cannot stress that enough. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that slash too. know that it's one of those wallet-sized pictures you got with your school picture in the 90s. And that oh, they yeah. traded. Oh, oh my gosh, I remember that. And you would give them to your family members and sometimes your friends. And then you wouldn't really do anything with them. Um I mean, I, get, I think they're for, like, parents to keep in their wallets, but yeah, Cass, or Rachel just has one, like, in her desk. Mm -hmm. And, but anyway, later in the series, and this is a mild spoiler, but also it's very important, Axe, you find out that Axe has a framed picture he cut out from a magazine of a cinnamon roll. <laughs> what? 
Okay. So race, racial <laughs> relations. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Okay. Yes. All right. So these books are not good at saying the, the races of their characters. Cassie is black. Marco is Latino. This is said verbatim for Cassie once and verba- verbatim for Marco none times in the four books we read. <laughs> none times. I did like, I, I, while I was reading this, I googled, is Marco Animorphs Latino? <laughs> Marco Animorphs. <laughs> and what I figured out is, um, like, yes, but also, like, I didn't find any specific quotes. What I found was mostly, like, some controversy with the um, the model that they chose for the new covers um, of Marco, who both has shorter hair, not so much of an issue, I feel like. That's more of a, a fan thing that, you know fans are pedantic about but also does is like a lot lighter skinned than the previous um model that they had used for marco but based on like which i do think is a case of whitewashing but based off the reading of these books it's pretty hard to tell that he's latino so like i could see someone missing that Mm -hmm. yeah and there are also like again with both of these characters there are a lot of points where they just like don't say their races when it actually is really relevant like there's a point where jake like sees a girl being like brought into a police car and like he just says like oh that's there's a girl and he like it's cassie they i feel like he's identifying her from afar and it's just like i feel like you can say this looks like my friend in a way that includes her race which is very visible yeah i mean yeah, it, it does feel like they're really. I mean, this this is such a '90s thing, right? right? It's That's like a colorblind thing where they're yeah. a very multicultural group of teens. Mm-hmm. But like, um, yeah, like it's very '90s diversity and being three white kids, one of whom's a bird, and then two people <laughs> of other races. Right, and like you know, yeah, we've got a black girl and we've got a Latino guy, and they're definitely there. They're not really distinguishable from the white kids in any way other than like one time they've mentioned that their complexion is different but they're not going to bring it up colorblindness yeah it seems kind of important to mention that marco is also the poorest one and that's brought up a lot i mean besides tobias but that's like separate um but like yeah tobias generally has like a messed up family situation but also he's a bird now yeah (laughs) so like we're not worried about the stereotypes the bird enforces, <laughs> like, in general. Yeah. Um, and there's also another thing that happens, which is I feel like Cassie is the only person who has been, like, directly in danger by police officers in these books. That Yeah, yeah. like, especially in the first book, there was a police officer who was aspe- specifically being aggressive towards Cassie, and yeah. that, like... I was that intentional? I don't know. Yeah, like you can read it as intentional, but like the book so much like shies away from talking about her race at all that it's really hard to tell. I also just wanted to talk about the fact that um you know, uh Rachel's like the girly girl and Cassie's like the animal one who like doesn't care about clothes and like she wears overalls cuz she works with animals a lot, which like that in of in and of itself is fine, but we got, you know, four different descriptions of all the characters in in these four books and a lot of the time they they specified like, oh, you know, Rachel is the con- conventionally attractive super hot one and Cassie right. is not. And like blonde and pretty like a model and Cassie is not yeah and that seems like a rough choice to have made (laughs) right yeah like it's sort of one of those like kind of borderline situations that like feel pretty bad and also in the grand like in the context of the grand scheme of middle scheme of middle grade literature is made grand scream (laughs) okay honestly that was a slip but it's pretty good (laughs) yeah i mean like in in isolation, um, like, in, in isolation, if you were taking these characters not in, like, the, the grand scream of the middle grade <laughs> literature, like, having a, you know, a black girl who's, like, a tomboy who loves animals, who's very, like, gentle and kind, like, that's a pretty good character, but when you specifically have her, like, knowing what we know about middle, middle grade literature, having her juxtaposed and, like, in opposition to 
not like not the characters aren't in opposition but like contrasted with the girl who's like you know super like pretty and like loves fashion and like everyone's always telling her how she should be a model yeah it doesn't come across great especially because like it really seems like there could be more black characters in this book we wouldn't know like no. we wouldn't know because of the again colorblind like right and quote, i feel unquote, like colorblind writing the extent to which like the um context is divorced from the characters because it just seems like the implications of a certain character being a certain race are completely not acknowledged it's pretty much Mm -hmm. like you just put like the sticker of like this racial label over whichever character you feel like to get the diversity points and then it's not kind of uh connected into implications or cultural context which is just not i mean it's again pretty 90s but not a great way to write yeah overall i mean it's definitely a step forward from like all the characters being explicitly white but you know we've also come further since the 90s it's there's a lot to think about in here and it's a little worrisome Mm -hmm. i guess i mean it's also like difficult to judge so far i think partially because like i don't know that any adult has ever been described beside beyond like you know, oh, this was a policeman. This was a punk. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't. They're just. It's just not a book that's big into physical descriptions. And I think that part of the reason why might be like the sort of colorblindness thing. But we haven't even gotten a clear picture of like their parents and like who they are as people. Right. So there's just like a really sort of limited pool of characters that are clearly drawn at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not into physical descriptions except for their outfits, which are described in every book. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, again, we've talked about the whole tokenism thing before, so I don't think we need to, like, rehash it again for this different book series. But, like, again, it's just, like, the problem with your one Black character. It's not a problem Mm -hmm. with a Black character being like this, and it's not a problem with a Latino character being like this. Also, did they, like explicit? did they make Jake and Rachel cousins so that they couldn't date? Yes. I am certain. Yeah. yeah. So that you can know for sure who's supposed to be with yeah. you. <laughs> Just to like clearly delineate what the couples are supposed to be. I think it was Obviously... very groundbreaking that a YA book finally let a girl date a bird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I'm just going to put out there that like, unsurprisingly, my ship so far is Rachel and Cassie. Yeah. And that's the ship that I believe in. Yeah. It's a popular and good one. Good. Um, But yeah, they were like... We need to come up with a reason that the two white human characters can't yeah. date, I guess, so that we can do other pairings. I don't know. It was weird. I also think it's just a good way to justify, like, bringing this weird group of people that don't know to each other that well together. But I mean, sure. But also you could just be like, then we saw some girls we knew from school. And since we were all walking the same way. Right, that would be like... very easy to do. Yeah. Um, should we make Gus's ableism point? Yeah, Gus had to leave. But they left some knowledge with us. They left us their sacred texts. (laughs) Sacred texts. I guess, I mean, should we read what they said? I mean, we can paraphrase what they said. Mm -hmm. Um, Which is, there was a lot of casually ableist language in these books. And that's true. Mm Mm-hmm. Strong agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't think of any specific examples off the top of my head, but like... There's, I mean, there, the parts that I remember more clearly are something else that Gus said, which is that the morphs tend to, like, morphing back into a human is off compared to having a disability, like, whenever Tobias morphed out of Hawk in the beginning, he re- he made references to, like, him being blind, um, and, like, it's weird. Yeah, I don't really know if I have enough, like knowledge to really evaluate that um I don't know yeah it it definitely feels weird when they're like you know they they go from being a dog to being a human and they're like oh yeah like not being able to smell it feels like a disability you know I I don't know yeah it's strange so also at at this point there's a character whose whole catchphrase is are you insane which is not I mean, great. I understand it was the 90s, and I understand that, like, that was, it was, like, societally different then. I still don't like it. I still don't enjoy it. Right. Um. Right. Like, 
And I think that is a fairly recent shift, like for myself, like I've made a big effort to shift away from that language, but it's hard. Like it's very much in my vocabulary. Um, and so I don't mean to be like, that's so, um, they should have known. But it is ableist, but, like regardless of whether yeah, or not it is they ableist. had a way to yeah. like really be totally aware of that, it is ableist language. Right. I mean, yeah, right. it's, it's definitely a societal shift. So like it wasn't necessarily a thing that was offensive in the 90s but like reading it now with our cultural context it's uncomfortable yeah and it is jarring yeah. just how often it's used yeah yeah and like i think that it's important that we talk about the ableism in these very early books because they're like especially towards the very end there are disabled characters and they i mean i don't want to do a lot of spoilers but i think that I think that ableism is something that we should start talking about at the beginning of the series. I know that we're not going to read all of yeah, these Yeah, you're books. really framing this like we're going to do a whole series about Animorphs, and I do want to be clear that is not a plan that we have. Yeah, but I don't want to, like, <laughs> spoil people who haven't read it in the reference yeah. to this conversation, And I also, but I also, like, want to be able to, to talk about ableism throughout the series and... Yeah, so we're probably going to do a spoiler section in a few minutes and we can come back to this. Okay. Yeah, but I get your point that you want to, like put a pin in the idea that this is a night something that starts at the beginning but certainly isn't yes. uh, going um, away. Okay, so yeah, I guess I did just want to sort of briefly touch on militarism and imperialism um, with respect to like like, these are child soldiers. We know that. We've covered that. <laughs> like, this book certainly does not shy away from the horrors of war, but um, even very early on. And I think... Um, Later on, the series maybe complicates the narrative some amount. I'm not sure exactly in what ways it does that. I do think that, like, in these early books where they're setting up this conflict, it's very, just, like, extremely one-sided. Like, uh, you know. Mm. Like, these kids discover a fallen soldier from a battle that's happening. They don't have any context for the battle, and they're just immediately like, yes, we are on this soldier's side and not the opposing army's side, which I think is sort of an interesting, like, you know, yeah, it makes sense that they would do that, but also, like, are the, are they ever going to question this narrative that they were handed immediately, you know? I mean, the opposing side is actively trying to destroy their planet. It is pretty black and white in that way, yes. <laughs> So I'm not trying to, like, push back. Like, I think you're making a good point. Yeah, I think that at this point in the series, it is totally understandable why they would blindly accept uh, that, that, I guess, directive even without questioning Mm -hmm. it too much because they see a real and present danger that is affecting them currently, like affecting their families and affecting people that they know in a way that no one else is equipped to fight against. However, there are definitely, like, as the series develops, there are definitely moments where it becomes important for them to not accept that as much. Um, But also Mm -hmm. you see a lot of, like, them sort of questioning their own place as warriors in this war that isn't quite theirs i think Mm -hmm. um like in the early books the only real example i can think of is cassie doing that thing where it's like but are we also the villains when you think about it (laughs) which she does have a good point there specifically with reference to axe morphing a human thereby creating a human and then suppressing their will which is what the yurks do well, right. like, I don't know how I, I don't know exactly how I feel about that because, like, is it, like, is it really a human that he created? But like, we can, you know, I don't need to argue against this because I think that your point is valid, and I think that that's the thing that we should discuss is if that is true, that is kind of a terrible thing to do. Yeah, yeah. I'm just going off of what yeah. you said in the previous episode, which yeah. is yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it is a bad thing to do and like too like because the yurks are inside people like i guess that is part of like the uh real moral weight in this series is that they can injure and um i think they do i i don't remember distinctly but they they hurt people who are being controlled and then you know like that's that's how yeah i think the thing about morphing is that there are not long-term consequences for any damage that they inflict on these on these creatures. And I think that that is a difference. Do I think that makes it moral? 
like I don't think that in itself makes it moral. Oh, not like the creatures that they morph into. Like when they battle people in like commanders, they can hurt the people. Um, Yeah, yeah, that's bad. Yeah, I mean, I'm not trying also, to bring some, like... why are they called like, commanders? What? Oh, controllers. They're called controllers. Why are they called... Oh, control... But why are they called controllers when they're being controlled? Because Shouldn't they be control like, think They're, they're talking refer- about the Yerk, yeah, I think. So they're ta- they're calling the Yerk that's- a human controller. Mm-hmm. So human is an adjective. That still doesn't... That... Okay. I don't love that. <laughs> okay. The Yerk is a human controller, but, like, the human... I, you know, I, the human needs more agency. But they the should human. get to be called a human with a Yerk controller. Let's use person first language, you guys. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, but like, they literally don't have any agency, and that's the point. <laughs> no, no, I think Grace has a point. <laughs> Okay, but, like, I wasn't trying to bring some, like, edgy, oh, the Animorphs are in the wrong here kind of take. I just kind of wanted to point out that, like, you know, in some ways these books are really, like, complex, but especially in the the four that we've read, like, they're setting up a very sort of black and white conflict. Mm -hmm. That's true. Also, hot take. War is bad for everyone. What a hot take. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I also just, like, related to that, I thought it was interesting, like... We don't know anything about the Andalites except that they have princes, but making the Andalite that they meet a prince, like, immediately makes him such a, like, heroic romantic figure, you know, like, the single lone prince, he's been wounded, but he's going to face the hordes, you know? Like, it just, it's it's a really interesting sort of device for framing that conflict. Mm -hmm. Why is everyone so into the monarchy? Man, people just love the monarchy. People are just, Why do we they just, just assume love it. that mo- monarchies are inherently good and, like, monarchs are good? Because you know? otherwise like, the I idea of like... giving too much power to a single person would be horrifying and something we would question. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah, but, like, we don't have these these ideas about, like, you know, other types of rulers under other systems of government. Like, we don't have this romantic idea of, like, what... I guess some people have a romantic idea about, like, wow, the president is, like, such a heroic figure. But not nearly so much as, like, you know, not just any... Like, not just, like, the Queen of England is great, but, like, any monarch is inherently, like, good. Unless they're corrupt. Right? Well, because there's... Right, like, if he was, was like, oh, I was the son of the Andalite Prime Minister, (laughs) he wouldn't be like, well, obviously you're a hero. I think that part of that is just, like, whether whether or not you have the power to get rid of someone. I think it's easier to criticize someone if you know that they're not going to be around forever, you know? I guess, but I feel like even in narratives we have where there's, like, a bad king... The solution to that is to, like, find, you know, the, like, good, like, remote prince who's been banished and have them, like, take back their birthright, you know? Like, it's never an anti-monarchy solution. I'm wondering how much of that is because it's not fun to read a book about restructuring a government. No, but you don't have, like, it doesn't, like, it literally doesn't have to, that's not what I'm saying here. What I'm I'm saying is, like, what if you had a, a, like... You know, not, I'm not saying that, that, like, every book has to be about destroying the monarchy, and I feel like people put those words in my mouth a lot. <laughs> um, and also, Amy, wouldn't Abby happily read a book about restructuring Absolutely, a government? Yeah. How old? I, like, <laughs> I sure wouldn't, honestly. Okay, well, that's your prerogative. Yeah. But, like, I'm also just saying, like, <laughs> you know, we have plenty of books, like, fantasy books about, like, um you know, uh, a, like, young, like, poor, like, nobody who who goes on adventures. But those adventures can never be taking over the kingdom unless they are secretly royalty, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we're so invested in the right. structure of monarchy, and I don't understand why. Yeah. Right? Like, we put a lot of narrative stake in birthright in, it's like, just wild. the way that we don't interact with it in the real world. Sorry, there's something I just remembered about Tobias that I can't Okay, say. I don't care. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Tobias was always meant to be the Prince of Hawks. <laughs> but, like, is part of the reason that the Yerks are bad that they're, like, a meritocracy? <laughs> Amy, Amy can't respond. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know if there's an answer to that question, but I don't. I want to be able to follow this. I want to be I think we might need to read more to see. <laughs> yeah. 
What's Yerk government? Uh, so- Smashing? Whoever is the smashiest. <laughs> That's a meritocracy. Whoever has the coolest morph and also... They don't have morphs. They have Or bodies. whoever has the coolest, bo- the coolest body and also is the best at bureaucracy. Yeah, I mean, sounds like a better system than monarchy to me. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> I mean, except for the whole, like, possession and destroying planets thing. Should we move on? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Hello. We're moving on to Shormship Cormorm. The, our, which is friendship I'm cormorm. sorry, what? Sh- what? One more Shormship time. Shormship Cormorm. Back up. Shormship Cormorm. <laughs> Please explain. <laughs> so I was trying to write front Shormship Corner and then I wrote Shormship Cormorm and now I'm keeping it. But what's Shormship? What's a Shormship? Oh, right. Okay, so Shorm are really is a word for like Andalites who are such close friends that they could hold each other's tail blades at their throats. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> That's when you're a Shorm. Great. <laughs> <laughs> I read a lot of animorphs. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And also the word shorm is part of the words for their tail blade. Sure. Yeah. That it's a good name for a segment. My genius. It seems isn't great. Appreciated. No. <sighs> yeah, you don't have quite the right audience in Abby and I. Sorry. <laughs> I just would be some... laughing so hard at the words shormship cormor. We laughed. <laughs> I wish for you, Amy, that you had someone who could appreciate the genius of that uh, segment name, and it's just not us. I apologize. We're inadequate. Oh, no. Listen, I wouldn't have it any other way. I love doing this with you, too. Let's talk about friendships we like. And and also, if you, have any, like, if you have any interesting animal moments, I think that could stand in for animal friendship, because, like... Oh, here's here's my in- interesting animal moment. How much are these books supposed to teach you cool facts? Because I felt like they were, at some points, really attempting to teach me a cool fact. Are they, like, edutainment? I don't think they're edutainment. My theory is that they were... The writers did a lot of research about animals and then were like, can't let this go to waste. <laughs> yeah, I would buy that. Especially because they do have to, like, pad these out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and also they are by Scholastic, which makes me think that that's a pretty big, like, uh-huh. selling point for Scholastic. You can learn fast. Do you remember when you used to be able to, or, like, hypothetically, I never did, but you could order them in the Scholastic catalog in chunks of, like, 12? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, those were the days. Uh-huh. Remember Scholastic book orders? Wow. Yes. That's where I got. I missed them. Wow, this is... I've never been that. Entertaining content for yeah. our listeners. Anyway... <laughs> I'm just Friendship. saying there's no way I'll ever reach that level of, like, anticipation again in my That's adult That's true, life. yeah. Yeah, gosh. Those free scholastic books, man, I was ever, I like, I was super hype about those. Mm. <laughs> when you walked into the tables full of books. And it was just like, uh, you can pick the most one book day. and it's the most, like, intense decision of your year. When your order came up to, like, twelve ninety five, and you were like, gosh, I hope my parents will pay for this. <laughs> and it's $12.95. But we're not a Scholastic Book Orders podcast. <laughs> Please talk about friendship. Let's talk about everything with Sweet Tobias is the first thing I wrote down. Oh, my God. <laughs> he has the best human friends of every of any bird, except they're not actually very sensitive no, to his plight as a bird. but they do try a lot but they of try. the time. They actually do, and, like, it's also just when Tobias tries to, like, okay, I just, there's something that's, like, heartbreaking, but I also love when Tobias makes jokes about being a hawk forever to try to make his friends more comfortable with him being a hawk forever. Yeah, that's very, like, sweet and heartbreaking, and, like, the fact that sometimes they, like, laugh at them, but then sometimes they're just like, oh my god, I'm so sorry, you're a hawk forever. Yeah. (laughs) Gosh. And, like, also, they, like, gosh, like, Rachel petting Tobias's hawk body is, like, really (laughs) weird initially, but then it's like, no, she's just really accepting him as a hawk now, and that was very, like, emotional for me in a weird way I didn't expect. You guys, hawks can't have yeah, hugs. Yeah, before she started doing that, she, like, tried to hug hugs. him and then realized that you can't hug a hawk. Yeah, and, like, Jake setting up, like, Jake not knowing what hawks eat, eat or where they sleep, but trying his best to he make his him, friend comfy. He gave him mashed potatoes and a blanket. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
that's not what birds want. No, but it was definitely like because because Tobias like didn't want to like hunt and stuff. Like he didn't want to give him hawk food. He wanted to give him human food because Mm -hmm. he wanted to be a human. Yeah. Ah. Gosh, I love like they're just like and also like Jake and Jake had this history of like sort of protecting Tobias and not even being that close a friend of, to him. But, like, Tobias was getting bullied in school and Jake kind like, Jake was actually nice to him and I believe that it's yeah. canon that he has, like, stopped Tobias from being bullied before. I think that's true. Yeah, it's in the book. Yeah, okay, I wasn't sure whether I made that up in my heart. Um, <laughs> yeah, he says he met Tobias when Tobias was, like, being shoved into a yeah, toilet by bullies. Yeah, and it's just, like, and Jake just, like, looks out for him so much and Tobias like like Tobias clearly appreciates it and I just but like can't live like that I love Tobias (laughs) (laughs) I know I feel so like soft towards him and I like I think a lot of it too is like this was like such an early like um like angsty character that I like so imprinted on as like this is such a deep like sympathetic character story (laughs) yeah just the tragedy of it Mm -hmm. it's so much for other just friendship stuff Rachel and Cassie I think are like they're like honestly kind of the only good I mean that's partially why I ship them is because um they're the only, like, pair that has, like, really good friendship interactions that are just, like, like, I actually believe that they're just, like, regular friends. <laughs> but they were friends yes, before. Yeah. And nobody, well, actually, Marco and Jake yeah, were friends before. Right, were but they're, they're yeah. boys, and so they can't show yeah. feelings Oh, right, yeah, affection. they aren't allowed to have emotions. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah. yeah, but, like, it'll just be, like... Cassie will be like, should I be in a dress? I'd have to borrow it from Rachel, but, like, and, like... That was so cute. She was like, yeah, I could take, like, a cuter photo of myself. Rachel would lend me a dress for it. (laughs) That was really cute. Mm -hmm. And also just, like, that they are friends and you, like, I don't know. I feel like it's, again, kind of 90s to be, like, diversity of female characters. One feminine, one not. But, like, they're very accepting of the ways that each other yeah, it's very form being a woman or a teen girl and that's cool and i don't know it's just like i just really love their like i just really love their friendship because also they know each other so well and yeah. like there aren't any direct interactions i can cite with that it's just that every time that they're talking about each other you can just tell that they like really know each other so well and like care about each other so much and like like it'll just even even though they like often stress their differences in those times Mm -hmm. well they're also like the clearest pair that like balances each other out where like you know cassie's very like soft-spoken and won't necessarily like look out for her own interests and like rachel's really like impulsive and can be like aggressive but she'll like be aggressive on cassie's behalf it's great right yeah yeah it's really good yeah, and I think especially in the Cassie narrated book, right, where Cassie is going through a lot in terms of being asked to like take yeah. up a, a position that she's not comfortable with, Rachel is really like checking in with her and like kind of advocating for her at certain points, which is really good. Yeah, and like that really contrasts, I think, with Jake and Marco's friendship, which is basically where like like the biggest act of friendship I think that Jake really does for Marco is like keeping his home secrets. And, like, not talking Mm -hmm. too much about Marco and, like, not getting... And, like, also just kind of, like, low-key manipulating Marco into stuff sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely the strongest, like, friendship thing that I felt for Marco was that, like, all of the friends know that his home situation is, like, pretty messed up and the amount that they were, like, you know, like, not bringing that up but also, like, you know, making sure that Marco got the discounted ticket to the zoo yeah. to like, you right. know, like that, that was some, some good low key friendship content, but also I want Marco to have like more intense friendship. Yeah, definitely. And I do think that's how Marco could become a character that I was like, cause like he obviously he has um some parts of his story that are really you can tell that he's a really sweet kid and I think that the friends kind of try and bring that out in him and give him opportunities to express that he really does care about his dad as much as his actions show that he do show that 
he does. Um, and so I think that that's uh, nice that they're kind of giving him that space. Mm-hmm. Also, a lot of them have pictures of each other, <laughs> which is pretty cute. It's so cute and so 90s. Yeah, it's also very 90s, yeah. I think, because it's not like they have Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like there's yeah. You know when you frame a picture of your your crush trying to shove a pill down a badger. Yeah, I that nineties feel, guys. That's the best thing about Jake. <laughs> that is specifically <laughs> right that she was like, I could give you a picture of me in a dress, and he's like, Nope, I like this one. Yeah. <laughs> God, Jake's crush on Cassie is actually pretty it's cute. Pretty cute. So cute. Like. Especially that he's like, I guess I like her, and everyone kind of knows, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like not embarrassed. Yeah, and like also, when which Cassie's is also how like... she feels about him, right? She's yeah. kind of like, yeah, yeah, like I like him, and like everyone kind of knows, and like I'm not gonna, you know, whatever. Yeah, but also when like Cassie's like cleaning up the stalls with the manure, and Jake comes over, and she he just also does it, and they just do that in silence together for a while. It's just really nice. Okay, that was also the like Making another very chores. cute thing about their friendship slash relationship is that Cassie specifically mentions like a thing I like about Jake is that we can like be in silence together, and it's not awkward. We can just be quiet together, and that I thought that was very. Oh sweet. yeah, that was really yeah. good. Yeah, and Jake also talks about, so maybe this is not actually a true part of Jake's character, because he does talk about how they sit together on the bus, and he likes it, but he never has anything to say because (laughs) he thinks she's too cute. Maybe he's just too boring. (laughs) (laughs) He's too boring, or like, just, yeah, boring, doesn't have anything to say, or like, scared to talk to his crush. But she likes that about him. And like, another like cute ship thing i think literally a ship thing am i right because it's when tobias (laughs) is flying over the ship and rachel's just like i'm gonna go ahead and everyone's like why and tobias is like yeah i guess you're gonna do that you wild (laughs) you wild young thrill seeker yeah if we're talking about also two like the more confirmed couple is the couple that's one bird and one person yeah Love it. <laughs> Look, appropriate for this podcast. <laughs> That's true. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I mean, they had some cute stuff, too, where, like, uh, you know, a big thing with Tobias is that he can always, or, like, when he's relatively close, he can, like, do telepathy and communicate with the humans that way, but they can't do that back. They have to talk, so there's a lot of the time when he can, like, talk to them but can't hear what they're saying. And I, I, there are some, like, very cute moments where, like, Rachel, like, winks at him or, like, waves at him or, like, otherwise, like, tries to communicate with him when he's, like, not part of the group. And I think that's cute. Mm-hmm. And keep him inc- included, yeah. even though he's a bird yeah. now. God, Hawk forever. <laughs> um, oh, also, like, if we're doing animal friendship, which I guess we kind of are at this point. Yeah. Um, Cassie and every animal, but especially the whales. Yes. Yeah, the whales were, the whale part was actually very beautiful. Okay, but also, I feel like there was a trend in literature for a little while that was just like, whales are unknowable. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just like, whales are the deepest, most majestic creatures. (laughs) That was definitely a thing. Mm -hmm. Because there's like, deep wizardry, there's um, the Dane book with the whales, and there's this, and like, this is the one that was most formative for me, obviously, but... It's just like so many authors just had the agenda of whales know everything and we can't understand them. And also they're big. Whales are are so much greater than humans. Can you disprove that? That's how I feel when I see pictures of whales. They're too big, yeah. And I love them. (laughs) I mean, right. I think it's like they're very big and they're also like gentle and they sing. Like that's so much fuel for a sci-fi or fantasy like take on whales. Unrelated to whales, there are, like, numerous times that Rachel does stuff as Rachel and Tobias are just, like, a bird team. And it's <laughs> yeah, they're just doing, like, vigilante bird justice. <laughs> it's so good. And I consider this animal friendship because they freed a hawk. But there is also a point yeah. where Rachel, as a bald eagle, takes a gun out of a man's hand and flies away <laughs> with her talons as a bald eagle. <laughs> There are, like, multiple instances of birds holding guns in the first four books of this series. Also, like, the the TV commercial stunt was, like, so freaking dumb. Why didn't they do it when they weren't on live TV? But also, like, very characteristic of, like, Rachel's risk-taking plus Tobias's 
hawk being hawk feelings of. I also just can't stop imagining Jake at home just being like, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> How could they? This is... Oh my god. Just like, head in hands, on the sofa. Like... Also, it's the 90s and it's live TV, which means that the other animals saw it live Ooh. and not like, on YouTube later. Hmm. <laughs> I love this series. I love this 90s <laughs> series. Anyway, yeah, so one important animal friendship, I think, is Tobias with the hawk who dies in his name. Aww. Yeah, Polly. Mm-hmm. That one's very, like, fraught, though, because it's, it's you know, he feels like it's taking him away from his humanity Yeah, to be friends with her. Yeah. Yeah, and then she's killed because she looks too much like him. And it's... Really emotional for me. And that's a good animal friend. And I'm going to honor her. Okay. Even though she is a symbol of Tobias losing his humanity and then trying to regain it through acts Listen, of kindness and love. That's not her fault. No, but right. I, 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 you know, I'm not here to take away your animal friendship. I do question it as like a really solid animal friendship because Tobias like hates himself whenever he hangs out with her and and like tries to push her away to regain his humanity i think there's also yeah a point to be made about like friendship being a human emotion and that being an important thing for him friendship and love and whatever there Mm -hmm. are some really good animal friends such as when rachel is a cat and comforts her best friend melissa her former best friend Melissa. okay i mean a lot of these animal friendships are them being animals so i don't think that makes it like not a human emotion (laughs) is any animal friendship not an is any friendship not an animal friendship if you're an animorph also just that they came up with like marco came up with the name animorphs and he was like what if we call ourselves this stupid thing? And everybody else was like, sounds pretty cool to me. <laughs> Remember when I said see a tortellini one time and then we just <laughs> decided that was the thing? That's what it is. Anyway, but yeah. Also, fun fact. The series was originally called Changelings and Scholastic made them change it. To Animorphs. Okay. Sure. Changelings is better. Changelings? But Animorphs is I guess. Yeah. So. It's got that SEO that they were thinking about in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was like, how will they find these characters? By searching Marco Animorphs, Cassie yeah, Animorphs. Marco Changelings would probably come up with an entirely different thing. So much fay. Yeah, exactly. There's already yeah, so many exactly. stories about Changelings. Yeah. We're gonna do spoilers now. There will be a musical sting and then it'll be over. And then I'll say spoilers about Animorphs. All content from this point forward is spoilery, potentially. Welcome to Night Vision, but for cats. <laughs> okay. Was it not for cats before, I guess? It was Night with a K before. Yeah, sure. Now it's Night with only an N, but referring to yes. cats. Okay, sure. Um, Amy, can I ask you if something is foreshadowing? Yes. Okay. Marco's mom drowned. It's referenced okay. repeatedly. They never found the body. In any other book, that would be foreshadowing. It is. It definitely is, is, right? Yes. Marco's mom is Visser 1. Yeah, his mom is... What? <laughs> Marco's mom, Eva, I is... don't remember finding that Marco's out. mom's name is Eva, and she's Visser 1, and it's... Is Marco half your... No, 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 she's no. being controlled by Visser 1. Mm-hmm. Oh. Marco's mom is the vessel for Visser 1, and it's intense there is a point where he has to push her off a cliff oh it's God. very bad <laughs> it's very bad it's very bad it's i knew it was significant so how did she but why did they think she drowned visitor one went in her initially? yeah okay so i've read multiple books where people yeah. think that someone drowned and are like seen a lot of media where people are like oh this person drowned we never found the body i think it yeah. might be related to boats being on boats Uh, but i think that with like i can't remember how eva died but i do think that it might be in the book visser and i do think maybe she just walked into the ocean i mean or maybe she just said like i'm gonna go boating and then didn't and then like just went off to live her life as 
of as Visser one. Yeah, I read a lot of formative books for me at the same time that had to do with water, and there's a lot of crossover there. I didn't reread the entire series for this, so. Okay. Okay, well, that's understandable um, that you didn't reread 54 books to do this one podcast. Thank you so much, Grace, for your kindness and your care and your patience. No, yeah, she's just the viscer at the top of the viscer food chain. She's just, you know, really very much an important, like, person. And also, she just has a normal human body, but it's just that viscer one was already viscer one. And really, like, I think viscer one was already viscer one. Yes. And just, like, liked her. <laughs> Just Weird. liked her. Okay. It reminded her of her first human host, which... Why did she have a previous human host? Um, well, that was going to be the only one, but Allison gained more control. Like, she kind of had a weird commensalistic relationship with Allison, and she forced her, like, a car crash to happen by reducing her vision because she had control over one of her eyes because she didn't want to have a yerk in her anymore. Okay, you're info-dumping a lot, and really, I am not enlightened by this. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know, Allison. You know, Allison. <laughs> this is a very upsetting book. And there's just a lot in there that I want people to know. Marco's mom, that was foreshadowing. She's alive. She is also the, like, being controlled by Visser One, the most powerful Yerk there is. Okay. Are there good Yerks? Yes. Okay. Actually, one okay. of their teachers has a Yerk, and he and the Yerk are friends. Aww. Aww. <laughs> yeah. There's also, like, a very good morally gray Yerk that Cassie keeps encountering, and especially, like, the Butterfly book. It's very, like, that one's like, hey, straight up, like, we can't, like, straight out, I am going to say, we can't really, like, live or exist without being in people. What do, what do you want us to do? Like, yes, okay. I am inside of an eight-year-old girl. She's not that upset about it. Can I please keep doing this? I mean, can they be inside <laughs> of people and not control the people's actions? Yeah. yeah so I think that um, the... Yeah, so I think that the the teacher in and the Yerk friends are, like, very good at letting both of them be in control. Mm -hmm. And there is a small group of Yerks that are, like, just friends with their controllers. Or people who are friends with their controllers. I mean, they definitely brought uh, up in this book, like, the possibility of collaborators, but that was definitely very much portrayed as, like, an evil thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it sort of depends right. on the Yerk. You know? And, like, in the sharing, that's a cult. So... Right. I felt like I was, like, extrapolating that they were probably promising some sort of power to people that would come willingly. But, like, okay, so this is the thing, you know, like, maybe for humans where, like, the invasion hasn't really happened yet, like, I can see the idea that, like, oh, yeah, you're gonna promise them, like, some kind of good stuff if they just, like, have this yerk in their head a lot of the time. Um, and, like, some people would go along with that, especially if they're, like, kind of brainwashed by a cult. I don't, like, the taxons where their entire species is controlled by yerks? Please elaborate. But we don't so, know what happened there. So the we don't. Maybe basically, like. so the taxons alliance in the, with the yerk is based on the fact that they are all starving all the time because their planet is one of constant abundance. And they are, like, eating constantly. And when they are off it, there is not constant abundance, and they are all starving, and they need resources. Okay. Yeah, I guess. That doesn't seem, you know, like, I feel like they could have come up with, like, a more complex answer for why that... Because, like, not, you know, to, to collaborate with the Yerks does not only mean having your mind controlled. It also means participating in their, you know, like galaxy level imperialism where they go around destroying planets actually the andalites are also doing galaxy level imperialism i mean that doesn't surprise me but that doesn't make the yurks better oh it doesn't but like the yurks are also victims of the andalites imperialism like Wait, directly so if the andalites could come save earth would they colonize yes. it okay. <laughs> yeah that's there's actually like that that's what the animorphs find out later is that like Yes, the Andalites are coming to help them, but the Andalites are also going to colonize Earth. Like, does Axe know? That? I don't think I don't think Axe does. Like, I or I think that Axe is enough, like, sort of in the, like, in it that he's not that aware. And also, he's a teen who doesn't pay attention in class <laughs> and just like okay. loves it and is there because his brother's a prince. 
Oh, also another important thing about Elfangor is because of time shenanigans, he's kind of Tobias's dad. What? Yeah. <laughs> he's kind of Tobias's what? dad, but in a time shenanigans way. So like only spiritually? It's really difficult to understand, but like Elfangor is Tobias's dad. Okay, I just want to say right now that this time, this spoiler section needs to have like a limit on time or my brain will just unravel. Sure, <laughs> that's fair. You're asking me questions and I'm answering them to the No one asked you, was Tobias But I mentioned that I remembered a thing about Tobias in regards to like royalty and like, like. Oh, so I see. Okay, so Tobias is kind of an Andalite prince i knew he was prince of something i just thought it was hawks is a military title but like yeah like he's directly related to right i was gonna ask like is axe not a prince yeah so i think no because it's a military title okay yeah so are we wrong that it's a monarchy um i really don't remember enough about the structure of their government to answer that i mean right you did just imply that it's like somewhat a genetic thing if like you know Elfanger being a prince and being sort of Tobias's dad also makes Tobias like maybe kind of royalty. I think. Okay. But, like okay. again, I'm super unclear on how the Andalite government works because I did not care about that as a child. Okay. Uh, does do any of them die? Because yes. I feel like this book is so dark that like one of them dies. So right? glad you asked. Rachel Two? dies, and also Tom dies, but like and is never not controlled. Um, and you oh, know who no. kills Tom? I like it's Rachel. Tom. Because. Oh, no. And it's. Well, I'm kind of glad it didn't have to be Jake, I mm-hmm. guess. <laughs> yeah, but Jake is the one who ordered her to do it. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so the thing about Animorphs Endgame is it's very upsetting. Another group of people that dies in the Animorphs Endgame are the auxiliary Animorphs, which is the part that goes with the ableism point that Gus made that I wanted to bring up. They are all disabled children. Like, they're all disabled what? children, like, from a hospital that they gave the morphing powers. All of them die, and Jake, like, commands them. And a part of it is, like, they're in, like, two books. Um, God, that's a weird plot element to put in there. Uh-huh. I have, a, I have, like, a... I don't know if this is a spoiler, but I was really wondering, are there books less middle grade style by near the end? Because they look, like, the same length. Yeah, like, I think that they're still middle grade style. They just have a much darker. That's bizarre. I, think I mean, like the like, random ones that I read, which I think were like probably more somewhat towards the beginning, but like you know, in the first thirty out of fifty four or something like that. Like, they mostly did seem to have like a lot of recapping and a lot of like sort of middle grade stylings. Yeah, I mean, I don't really remember. Oh, and also the ending of the entire series is Marco and Jake and Tobias are probably going to die, but like it's sort of not confirmed. And also Axe will probably also die in the same interaction. Okay, so um so what was like the the statement that she had to give? Why did she have to give that? Um fans were very upset about um all of the ending of the book but especially Rachel's death and why she ha- quote unquote like had to die and the what K Applegate basically had to say was this series was always about war this series is about the way that different people react to war especially like out of wartime afterwards like Rachel had to die like Rachel had to die at this point because people die and because I can't imagine a life for her outside of this anymore. And like Jake what ended up having to continue trying to be in war because he didn't know how to do any how to do like be a regular person anymore. And Marco kind of like slid through it and like had mild celebrity status, but then also went back to it. And Tobias lived as a hawk in the woods forever after that because, you know, Rachel died and because he didn't like, he didn't have to be a hawk forever at that point, but he just chose to um, because of the trauma. Um, and she basically just said, like, this is a book about war. War doesn't have happy endings. War is bad for everyone. This is just the weirdest it's series. So like, weird. what is, like, I can't even grasp, you know, like, the cultural context of, like, I know there were other scary books out for kids at the time. Like, I referenced how this feels tone similar to Goosebumps to mm-hmm. me and some books like that. But, like, 
you know, you got these, yeah, like this reality of war book that's still going to be like, my name's Cassie, and I love to wear overalls. Yeah. Um, my screen name is B-Ball24. <laughs> B-Ball224. 224, sure. How, like, over the 54 books, how long a period of time in universe does it cover? Okay, so there's actually a pretty large time skip in the 49th book, so three years. Okay. In the 49th <laughs> Well, it's definitely the arc of the last six are a big time sk- skip. So even when it ends, they're like 16. Yeah. They're like oh. still teens at the end of these books. Well, not at the very end, but for the last arc, they're still teens. Wow. They aren't adults until everybody decides to go on a rescue mission in space to try to save Axe, who's missing. Yeah, okay, so welcome to Ciro's Unkindness. Uh, We're switching to zombie author because we're running really long. Um, Ciro's Kindness is a concept by the Andalites that is basically like how much information they should share with other cultures. So Ciro's Unkindness is telling people about that information. It's it's good in context. I'm sure it's good in context. Thank you. It's great. I'm impressed. Thank you so much. Um, okay, so we already talked about K. Applegate on the horrors of war. Um, so, uh, so one quick thing that I want to say is um, there's an exact quote from K. Applegate that's like, around book eleven, we thought we used all the good animals, <laughs> and I think that's just important to know. And especially because they'd already used animals, including shrew. Mm-hmm. There's so many animals. I mean, I guess that they could have paced out, like, they probably all needed to have a battle morph early on, but, like, they could have paced out some of the, like, dolphins, wolves, like, some of those classic animals that kids like. Mm-hmm. Right. Also, if you go on the Wikipedia pages for the books, every book has a table including morphs acquired and morphs used. God. Good. For each character. I love Animorphs fans. Oh, yeah, so um, that's just one quick death of the author thing that I found out. Um, there's also a really, like, okay, so about diversity in Animorphs, they've both Michael Grant and Kay Applegate have said, talked at length about it. Michael Grant cre- created this post called On Diversity that is the exact opposite of the, like, you're a little confused. He's a little confused, but he has the spirit gif. Like, spiritually the exact opposite of that, because he's very much just like, I've probably written more diverse characters than anyone else writing for children, and then, like, itemizes all of his diverse characters, including just, like, women. Um, But he also, like, in that post is like, also, support, we need diverse books. And, like, nothing he says is wrong, (laughs) but also... It's just really baffling to see that attitude taken about, like, the diversity that you put in that is fine. Like, it's fine. He was like, I have a practicing Muslim secondary character. Who else has that? And it's like a lot of people, Michael Grant. (laughs) Some people even have practicing Muslim main characters. Mm -hmm. Or, like, more than one Muslim character. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like, it was really baffling. And also, um, I think something that we should be clear about is Michael Grant had a lot of a lot of fans think that Marco, like, a lot of fans read Marco as bi. And Michael Grant has said, has, like, quote-unquote confirmed that. But the way he confirmed that was to say, I think everyone is bi. So, yes, Marco is. And yeah. it's like, no, that's not. That seems like maybe you could just say, Yes. And K.A. Applegate, on the other hand, I think has actually done, like, a pretty good job responding to fan, like, sexuality uh, things, which is, I don't have a copy of this, but I do remember seeing a thread where she was like, yeah, I, like, we should have done that, and I have. Um, So, one thing that she said, that's an exact quote on Twitter, her Twitter is at K.A. Author, is, I hear that a lot, like, in, in, in response to, if it helps, I know a lot of the modern fan base reads Marco as bisexual. I know thinking that as a kid helped me a lot, haha. And she said, I hear that a lot and love it. My take, once a book's written, it belongs to the fans, can totally see Marco as bi. 
Um, there's another one which uh, where she responded to a fan where she basically just said, like, actually, with Animorphs, Michael Grant and I really felt we missed an opportunity to reach out to LGBTQ kids a long time ago. But still, our feeling is that once a book is done, the story, and that includes characters, backstories, and futures, belong to the readers. Love the idea of Marco being bi or gay. You're not the first to have asked. And, like, I think that she, like, I find that, like... I'm thinking about it in comparison to the J.K. Rowling style right. of things. And it's kind of refreshing. Honestly. It really is. Like, she's completely admitting, I did not do that. I'm mm-hmm. not trying to take credit for it. But. <laughs> right. I, I do think that, like, that's the good. Like, I, you know, I, I think that's the good approach. I think that, like, you know, there are a lot of authors who don't do the J.K. Rowling thing of, like, retroactively declaring stuff but do say like you know oh well I never specified this character's race so you can read it however and try to sort of like take credit for diversity in that way and so I appreciate that she's not really doing that she's saying like yeah we missed an opportunity here Mm -hmm. um I was curious because I I heard the the like Marco people read him as bi thing before reading these books and I certainly didn't see any like thing that would make me read him that way in these four books i recognize that these are four out of 54 books well axe just showed up oh okay is that the ship (laughs) that's the main ship but people also ship him with jake um and we didn't really get a marco perspective book but like he really values and loves his friendship with jake and that's really important to him and also marco and axe is like a little bit pair the spares but also like a good ship also just a good ship, I think. Okay. Also, he seems really insecure about being seen as straight. That's yeah. true. That's, like, the one thing where I was like, okay, like, he is making a lot of sexual comments about women, but that could be overcompensating. Yeah. Like, I I support a bi Marco as, like, I believe in bi Marco really <laughs> strongly. <laughs> it does also feel a bit like, okay... We set up these two heterosexual pairings really early on. So, like, the only one who could possibly be queer is the one who we didn't pair off, which is, like, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I don't know. I'm interested in seeing if they would respond the same way to someone being like, I read Jake as bisexual and that's really important to me, though. Right. Yeah, right. I mean, that's kind of what I would be curious about. Yeah. Yeah, so... But, like, just the way that they respond to you specifically, Marco, is kind of, like, again, kind of really nice compared to what I've been dealing with from our friend JK. (laughs) Yeah. There was something in there in these four books, and I can't remember what the specific thing was that triggered in me, like, Tobias is definitely gay, and this is a thing that I feel strongly now. (laughs) I don't remember what it was, but there was, I just remember there was a point where I had that feeling. (laughs) (laughs) Right. <laughs> but, you know, I've been known to assign characters' sexualities based on uh, very little evidence. Such as liking them. <laughs> Correct. <coughs> Projecting onto them. <laughs> yeah, that's just the way. That's just how we all live. Then, let's wrap this thing up because I don't think we have any more segments. Yeah, uh, say where people can find us. Yes, I forgot to do that last time, but (laughs) I'm doing it now. You can find us on Twitter at Tordal Recall, on Tumblr at Tordal Recall, or at TordalRecall.tumblr.com. You can email us at TordalRecall at gmail.com. It's so hard to say all the things. It's so hard. We're Tordal Recall wherever we have social media accounts, and we have three of those, and one of those is a Gmail. Please understand. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, and also, I wanted to say, we talked about our Patreon earlier. This is a Patreon bonus episode. A thing we're doing on our Patreon right now is we have stickers. If you you subscribe to our Patreon for, like, a month, we will send you a sticker, or three stickers, depending on the level. Okay, to be clear, we that's at a specific level. Um... There, yeah, we, we will send you a sticker of our logo if you subscribe at one of the levels that we do that for at least a month. Also, you called this a Patreon bonus episode, which, like, it is an episode because we reached one of our Patreon goals. But also, we have an entire other feed of episodes that are just on Patreon that you can get for some, at, by subscribing at $3 a month, I think. so. And if you get the stickers, those come and you will have access to them for the month or more or the month where you subscribe to it. Yes. 
Unfortunately, the stickers will be for Tortal Recall, not My Name is Animorphs. And not for Animortal Recall. <laughs> Animortal Recall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't have Animorph stickers at the moment. <laughs> Let's just make stickers for all of our one-off episodes. That'll, that won't be an expense. I want a Valdemar Recall sticker. I do want a Valdemar sticker really bad. <laughs> now that you bring this up. Well... Thanks, everyone. We're going to start Allie next. I don't know what that means because I haven't read the turtle books before because I was too busy with Animorphs, but I'm excited for it. Is there anything else I should say about our programming? No. Uh, your beautiful sign-off. Oh, oh, wait, wait, no. Actually, yes, there's a thing, which we could have said in the last episode. We didn't. Grace and I were a guest on a podcast. Um, <laughs> we, were, we were one singular guest. <laughs> we guested on an episode of a podcast called Wheels Up in 40. It's a podcast about criminal minds. Don't listen to it if you don't like criminal minds, is what I would say, because it can be a pretty upsetting show. Uh, not not Wheels Up in 40. It's it's a joy. And also, Dorian yes, and Alex Wheels Up in 40 great. is the podcast. It's great. Dorian and Alex, the host of it, are great. Uh, and I don't want to be like, don't listen to their podcast. Like, you can do no, that. No, I mean, definitely do listen to their podcast. I just want to say, like, if you're here for the middle grade content and you don't want to listen to a show about serial killers, then don't. But if you are down with that, then do listen to it because it's good. Yes. That seems coherent with- and helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. We need to end this because it's been a really long time for a bonus episode. So... You know, until next time, we can't tell you our names, lasagna morphs. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, so, I'm upset. I feel like I just ran like six 